we all probably celebrated the transition from the new year uh, in different ways. Uh, some of y'all might have gone to parties with friends. Uh, so I know some friends of mine held a couple's board game rematch they hold every New Year's Eve. The guys have lost it for like 10 straight years or something like that. Uh, some of y'all might have gone to bed early and celebrated with a good night's sleep. Um, I know that Sarah Burke and I, we finally sat down and watched uh, Avengers Endgame and then proceeded to clean the house. And then suddenly she looked at her phone and was like, oh, it's, it's midnight. Happy New Year. And then we went to bed. So, you know. <laughs> Um, you know, what about, uh, the, did anyone eat the traditional New Year's fair? Oh, man, I forgot. Uh, well, we got one person. I forgot Greenville is a conglomeration of tons of different places. But, you know, um, pork, collard greens, black-eyed peas, cornbread. Golly, y'all are missing out. It's so good. Anyway, you know, uh, what about laundry? Did, did anybody make sure to not do laundry, to not wash away the, the good luck of the new year? <sighs> okay, man, yeah, so there's, these, these are all southern superstitions that I grew, I grew up just steeped in. Um, anyway, so it's, it points out that we all have tons of just really kind of goofy, fun traditions, but that some of us do take very seriously. I can think of several people that I grew up with who were like super serious about it. You know, and so why do we make such a big deal about rolling into a new year? I mean... <laughs> It's really just one day rolling into the next. The earth just spun around itself one more time. But it, it's probably because, you know, whether we're conscious of it or not, we see the new year as a celebration of hope. We look forward to the new year as a fresh start, you know, it's a chance to try to change for the better. We make our resolutions and, you know, we, we try to keep them, which is one of the reasons I'm really glad I'm a morning person because when you come dragging into the gym at 4.30 in the morning, it's not flooded with all the people that won't be there in another month. Um, I, I always hated going to the gym in January because there was so many people there. But anyway, as followers of Jesus, what does a new year mean to us? You know, how should we view the next 362 days? It's a leap year, so I really hope my math is right when I did that. Um, so for my last few years of middle school, and I think it was my first year of high school, my family and I attended a, I guess the equivalent of a Pentecostal small-town megachurch. Very strange. And it's a long story of how we wound up there after having been born and bred Southern Baptist. But I'll always remember how they did, how they rang in the new year. You know, each year they had a New Year's Eve worship service. And it started around 6 with a steak dinner, which was awesome, that was served on foam plates and plasticware, which was not awesome. Made it very difficult to eat. Um, And then everyone went over to the sanctuary around 8, and then they just had the worship service until 12.30 or really whenever it wound down. So it was like 1.30 one year, I think. But uh, each year, the pastor had this like a little theme or mantra, and uh, he'd hit on it repeatedly, and I can still remember him. He'd stand up there, and he'd be like, we're going to be free in 2003, or we're praying for more in 2004, you know, and we're going to thrive in 2005. And by 2006, we were, we were, the Lord had taken us somewhere else, so I'm not sure what he did because <laughs> I don't know what rhymes with six, you know. But, you know, that theme that he would, that he would just really just, like, yell every year was kind of what the church was expected to buy into and was used that as their, as their guide, just into the families, the church as a whole, and that would be, like, the theme for the year. Um, being in the vineyard, you know, we uh, know that a, a slogan that ju- doesn't just bring freedom and, you know, proclaiming something doesn't 
just bring it about. You know, there's a lot more complicated aspects of life than that. But, you know, as we're here staring down the length of the new year, you know, some of us might be hopeful and excited. Some of us might be apprehensive. But, you know, we really do need to consider and try to consider what we want to guide our trajectory as we head into the new year. So, so today we're going to look at two passages, um, one from the book of Jeremiah and one from the book of Ezekiel. And to give a little context to the situation, you know, Israel had been an independent kingdom for about 200 years, and uh, God had kept his promise to them that if they would continue to honor him and represent him to the people around them, he would continue to bless them with, with land, with prosperity. But they, you know, they got kind of cocky and stopped honoring the Lord and serving him like they were supposed to, and that led to all sorts of trouble. And... And the Lord started sending prophet after prophet to remind them to say, hey, this isn't what you're supposed to be doing. Like, come back to me. Come back to me. Repent, and we'll get, this, you know, we'll get the ball rolling again. And they just didn't listen. And finally, God's spirit left the temple. He just straight up walked out of the temple, uh, which was the center of Jewish life. And he let Israel be conquered by some of the neighboring nations and let the people get hauled off into exile. And that's a pretty grim scenario. Um, but it was during this time that Jeremiah and Ezekiel lived and preached. Jeremiah was just before the exile, and Ezekiel was just after it started. But while preaching the doom and gloom of impending judgment, both of these men also told a promise that God had made with his people to restore them back to himself. You know, he wouldn't leave them in exile for forever. And the Israelites held on to that promise for the 70 years that they were in Babylon, well, Persia. And but when they finally returned to Israel and rebuilt the temple, they still felt like they were under that exile. You know, they were back in their own land, but with the exception of this really brief stretch of time, they were always under the thumb of a, of a, of a more powerful kingdom. And, you know, they could never just shake that feeling. They were never back home. Well, 400 years after they returned from exile, you know, Jesus came onto the scene and began to proclaim, you know, he was the answer to that prophecy. You know, in him, not only Israel but all of mankind would be restored to God and would be given a new life. And from there, let's pray, and then we'll go into our text. Father, we thank you that you keep your promises, that even when things do seem to be uh, rough, it seems to be dark, you always uh, leave that open door. You always remind us that you haven't left, that there's light, and that you're coming, and that you're coming quickly, Father. And, uh, yeah, we just thank you for that hope, and we ask that you just help us just to anchor into that. Um, and just um, open our hearts to you today, Father. I ask you just to bless the words that I speak. If those that are of you will take root and grow, and those that are not, Father, will just be ignored and just flutter away in the breeze. Father, we just thank you for today and pray these things in your name. Amen. So first we're going to start with Ezekiel 36, 24 through 27. And it says, For I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean, and I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all of your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart, put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be, my, and you will be careful to observe all of my ordinances. And then Jeremiah 31, 33 through 34 says, but this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach again, each man his neighbor, and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, 
for they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. So, there's a lot in that, but what does that mean for us? Well, we can start out with saying that God desires to make us whole. We're all broken in some way. If you wonder why the world is in such a rough state, it's because it's full of broken people doing broken things. Um, Jeremiah chapter 2, it's not one of these stretches. He talks about how the people of Israel had rejected God, uh, a fountain of living water, and had built for themselves cracked cisterns or cracked wells that were, that were unable to hold water. And this is a really good visual that summarizes the human condition really well. You know, our rejection of God has led us to be incomplete and cheated of our true destiny. You know, we're, we're like leaky wells. We were created with a specific purpose in mind, but we're unable to completely fulfill it. And God speaks directly to this and says he will go to the core issue and fix it directly. You know, he'll pull out that heart of stone and he will replace it with a heart of flesh, match, matching, you know, the flesh of a heart to the flesh of the body. You know, it was a heart of stone that prevented Israel from doing what it was supposed to do to be God's people. You know, it, a heart of stone prevents us from fulfilling our purpose to reflect God's goodness to the world. It's, this whole situation is kind of like a cosmic reversal of the situation that faced Tony Stark or Iron Man, the Marvel, the Marvel character. You know, he was missing a big chunk of his chest and had shrapnel creeping into his heart, so he created a power source, uh, a magnetic generator that would keep that metal out of his heart and would also power the Iron Man suit. For us, it's the opposite. When we decide to follow Jesus, God reaches in and pulls out the shrapnel of our sin and replaces that hole with, with a heart that's full of his power. And that power allows us to go out and do heroic things for his kingdom. You know, he makes us whole. He makes us truly human again. And part of being human is living in community and having healthy relationships with one another. You know, we're not made to be solitary creatures. While many of us enjoy solitude from time to time, I'm one of them, uh, we are designed to live lives that weave in and out of everyone else's, you know, knitting us all together. And that's part of why dysfunctional relationships are so devastating. You know, one bad relationship can poison a person's understanding of what relationships should look like, and then they then perpetuate that into other relationships, and it just kind of disperses out from there. You know, uh, it's a heart of stone issue played out on a community-wide scale. It's brokenness, longing for completion. In, in healing our hearts and giving us a heart of flesh, you know, God seeks to heal our relationships. The, the book of Revelation describes a scene where Jesus is being worshipped by people from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. And all who accept the offer of a new heart are brought back into the family of God. We're brought back into that, that tapestry that, of, um, that will be seen in Revelation one day. You know, Jesus modeled how true relationships are supposed to work. And through his Holy Spirit, he gives us the means of living it out of bringing healing into the relationships in our community. Completely lost my place. There it is. And having a new heart also brings us back into relationship with God. You know, as the song says, we're no longer strangers to your arms. You know, that, that heart of stone prevented us from taking God up on his offer to heal us and make us whole, which course would bring us back into relationship with him you know uh, that stone heart couldn't sin, couldn't feel his presence or uh, or hear what he was speaking to us you know with, with now with a new heart 
with the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we can hear it when he calls. You know, we could feel him when he's near. Jeremiah said that everyone from the lowest to the highest will know God. And this knowing God is intimate and relational. It's like knowing your best friend. It's not the formal and distant knowing of like, you might know the mailman when he comes off once a week, to, you know, once a day to drop your stuff in the mailbox. And, and knowing someone lends itself to spending time with them, and spending time with them leads us to knowing them better. You know, it's a beautiful cycle in which God repairs the break that we had with him and allows us to draw near to him as he draws near to us. You know, he walks beside us. Israel expected to return from exile and go right back into serving God the way they always had, meeting him in the temple, but separated by that curtain. You know, today, there's no more curtain. The veil was torn. God personally speaks to us and guides each and every one of us each and every day. We may not be physically walking beside him like Adam did, but we do still get to speak to him while driving into work, while doing homework, you know, brushing our teeth, doing the dishes, preparing the next month's budget. You know, just there's no task too mundane or too big that prevents us from talking to God and prevents him from speaking back to us. God is interactive. He's, just, he's an interactive God. He loves to partner with us in advancing his kingdom. You know, every part of his plan could be accomplished on his own, but he still chooses to let us help him, to work through us. And being renewed inside, we can do that. We can act because we hear his voice, and we, feel, and we can feel his presence and his nudging. When you, when you care for someone, you want to help them and work beside them, especially when a relationship with that person has changed your life in a much more positive way. And I think I put the wrong year down here. But I think it was in 1983, the band U2, I really like, um, released a song called New Year's Day. You know, and the main line of the song is that nothing changes on New Year's Day. It, it comes across a bit cynical, but in one respect, it is kind of true. You know, New Year's Day is just another day. You know, the earth just did one more spin on its own axis. You know, there was no magical change that took place as we rolled from 2019 to 2020, you know, it's up to us to make the effort to live out the changes that that new heart brings. And this gets worked out in our lives in a variety of ways. You know, because we were once broken and made, you know, and made whole, we have a completely new perspective on how, how things work. Blaise Pascal, the famous theologian scientist, which is a really awesome title, um, if you think about it. You know, he, he was from 17th century France, and he has this famous quote where he says, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man. You know, through Jesus, God filled that hole you know, with that new heart, and he brought us back to life. He restored us to our original design. And in the coming year, let's work hard to carry that gratitude of knowing where we were. You know, or let's carry that gratitude around with us everywhere we go. And in doing so, we can fulfill our original purpose, you know, to reflect his glory to the world around us. Let's be wounded healers reaching out to help and to heal those around us, but always doing it with humility because we know that we owe our own healing to one greater than ourselves. You know, let it empower us with grace in the face of injustice you know, and mercy in the face of unforgiveness. You know, the kingdom of God is, is not a matter of words, but a matter of power. And as we live a life that reflects our own healing, it demonstrates that power in a very real and very visible way. Um, you know, and, and being that this healing has brought us into God's family, Let's commit to fostering kingdom relationships in the new year.
and what do kingdom relationships look like? Well, that can look like all sorts of things, but within the body of believers, you know, let's work to build up and encourage one another in faith. Pour into those that you disciple and help them to grow to the next level in their walk of faith. You know, in the same way, be receptive to those pouring into you. Find people who will invest in you and push you in your walk, who will sing your own song back to you if you forget it, so to speak. You know, let them push you to grow. You know, outside of the body of believers, when you interact with the people that don't know Jesus, you know, let your relationship reflect the new life that flows through you. you know, in all relationship, seek to bring life and light. You know, if there's a rift or a wound in a relationship, seek to make it right to the extent that you're able. We all know that you know, damaged relationships, there's always many facets going into it, and you can't control all of them. But try to do, try to heal the part that you can and honor the Lord in, in that effort. You know, in this new year, let our relationships be a living tapestry of the life-giving, healing power of God. And since we now have that personal connection with the Father and are no longer separated, the personal love and devotion we have for him should be evident in our lives. We know that following Jesus is not about keeping rules and ticking boxes so that a grumpy old man in the sky won't smack us with lightning bolts. You know, that's not what, how, that, how that works. But so many people that we, that we meet every day don't know that that's not how that works. You know, they see following Jesus as a chore, a life full of dull rituals with no hope. So why would they ever even submit themselves to it in the first place? This year, let's work to shatter that worldview. We know that following Jesus is about a deeply personal love and commitment that changes our lives from the inside out. When you're loved with a powerful love like that, you can't help but love him back. You can't help but want to please him. You know, you want to bring him glory. Every day we should invite others to encounter the same love, to have the hope which we have found. We should invite them to share in the freedom we have found in Jesus. And when we stumble, you know, when we have a bad day or a bad week and we don't represent Jesus well, let's own it. When we lose our cool at work and we snap at a coworker, go apologize and ask for forgiveness. We know that following Jesus is a long process of continual growth and that we will mess it up sometimes. But instead of using it as an excuse of why we acted that way, let's use it to show growth in Jesus. You know, I really messed up there, but that's where I was, but this is where I am now. You know, it's these seemingly little things that to us are the things that... Um, are kind of inconsequential, like, ah, oh, that was just a small thing. But to other people, they're the doors that the Lord uses to enter into their lives and begin to speak life into them. So let's preach the gospel in word and deed in the coming year and give others a taste of that new life and that new hope that we have. And lastly, because of all of this, you know, because we do, in fact, have new hearts, that his law has been written on our hearts, that his spirit does dwell within us, we are living proof that God keeps his promises. Yeah. Going back to the U2 song, instead of seeing the idea of nothing changes as a cynical aspect, grasp the truth of it. You know, God is eternally unchanging, and he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Yeah. So, let, so we can run with that whole new idea, of that whole idea of you know, the new year, new you, you know, if you want to, and use it to really grow in the next year. But the foundation of everything we do in 2020 should be built on the foundation of God's faithfulness. You know, it's the, the new year, same God idea. Was 2019 a tough year for you? Uh, and I know for some, some people it was. You know, nothing changes on New Year's Day. 
God didn't have to make a resolution to start over in his relationship with you and try to walk with you and do better. When 2019 ticked over to 2020, he just squeezed your hand tighter and said, let's do this. I'm not leaving you. You know, he, he, he promises to walk through the, continue to walk through the dark times with you and to speak hope and comfort into your life. If 2019 was a great year for you, remember that nothing changes on New Year's Day. God continues to call you closer to him and wants to challenge you to step out into new areas of faith. He wants you to grow and be stretched in your life to see how you can use the blessings he's given you to bless others. And if you don't know God, and if you're really not certain what to make of all this, I can assure you that nothing changes on New Year's Day. God really wants to get to know you, and he would love for you to get to know him. He would love to put a new heart into you and uh, allow you to experience a new life inside of you, and he'd love to welcome you into the family. He wants us all to experience the life to experience life in all of its fullness and for all of us to be created to be who we were supposed to be. And folks, that's about all I've got for today. So if the worship team, if y'all want to come on back up. You know, as the worship team comes up here to play, just our one final song and we, we do ministry time. Here in the vineyard, we believe that God meets us where we are, that he wants to, you know, put his hand into our lives and you know, interact with us personally. So, you know, if, if you need some prayer this morning, if, if something I've said today, you know, kind of unsettles you or really stuck with you and you'd like some prayer on it, our prayer team who are trained to do this kind of thing will be right over here on the rug and they'd be more than happy to pray with you. But as the worship team goes through this final set, just ask the Lord what, he, what, what vision you, he wants you to have for the new year. You know, uh, the, the working out of, of having a new heart is going to look radically different for each and every one of us this year. But I guarantee you the Lord has a grand plan for each and every one of us. So just during this time, just, you know, quiet down. Just let the Lord speak to you and just be willing to answer him when he does.